Good friend and I were talking on the way out today. He said, Brett, when I saw Hot Pursuit, the first thing that I, I thought was Buford T. Justice. <laughs> you have to be a certain age to know who Buford T. Justice was, but he was always in Hot Pursuit. And uh, we had a good chuckle. We begin a new series today called Hot Pursuit, the con continual pursuit of more. Uh, I expect that many of you battle the same lie that I battle. That if I can just get that, whatever that is, but if I could just get that, that will make my life better. That will make me feel more fulfilled, happier, more important, smarter, more talented. I just need that. That is what is missing in my life, and I just need to be in pursuit of that and get that. Once I get that, everything's going to be fine. But then you get more of that. And here's what you come to realize. You come to realize that that does not make you happy and you aren't any more satisfied than you were before. That always promises more and that always under delivers. How many of you know kind of a little bit of what I'm talking about right now? We're talking about the continual pursuit of more. Next week we're going to talk about money and stuff, how we pursue money and stuff. But week three we will talk about perfection. For those of you who are perfectionists in the crowd, we'll have some things to say for you. For week four, we're going to talk about approval, how we need to stop trying to live for the approval of man and live out of the approval that we already have from God. Uh, oftentimes what happens is we, in our quest for approval, we, we, we say yes to too many things and because we want to be liked. We want people to like us. And then in the final weekend, we're going to talk about comfort you know, society keeps telling us that comfort is where it's at, but the challenge is it's almost impossible to live a life of comfort and live a life of faith at the same time. So today we introduce the series <clears throat> with a, a talk that, that uh, I want to talk about something this morning that is probably as relevant today as it's ever been. We're going to talk about the pursuit of fame. I want to be known, I want to be admired, I want to be liked, I want to be respected, looked up to, I want to be a household name, I want people to know me, I want to be famous. So you might be in here this morning, you might be thinking, well, Brett, okay, so I don't need that. I don't, don't worry about me with that, I don't want to be famous, I'm not, I'm not worried about those kind of things. Well, you might be surprised how this one can creep up on you. It's sneaky. You may not have a full-blown hunger for fame. You might just have what we might describe as a, a, a micro-craving for fame. We want to be known. We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. And you might find this showing up in your everyday life in some pretty significant ways. For instance, if you are someone who overcommits, the problem there is often that you just don't want to say no to somebody because you don't want them to not like you because you... You just, you, you want people to like you, so you find yourself not having enough time because you're doing so much for everybody else and you just don't know how to say no. Maybe for you it's something that you did and you want credit for it. You know, you're at work and you have an idea or you do this thing, you implement this thing and you want to make sure you get the credit for it. Or maybe you've, you've given something to someone or given to a cause or to an organization and you want credit for it. I served, and I want people to know that I served. I, you know, I do something special, and I want people to know that I'm the one that did that special thing. 
For some of you, you are overly sensitive to criticism. You can do something and a hundred people could tell you that it was awesome, but one person tells you that it wasn't awesome and that's what you remember. All these people thought it was great and one person had something negative to say and that's all we can think about. Social media has become a bit of a breeding ground for this, this hunger for fame. Did you like my picture? Was my, was my uh, caption catchy enough? I heard the other day about somebody who's, uh, there's a thing now where people will put out a post on Facebook or whatever their site, Instagram or whatever, and if it doesn't get enough likes and if it doesn't get enough attention and enough comments, they will take it down because they can't tolerate the idea that they put something out there that was received in a mediocre way. Too often we are living for likes and longing for love. This micro-craving for fame. For those of you who are above all this, you don't think you are hungry to be known or admired or respected or followed or famous. I want to help you to understand that your kids and your grandkids most certainly are struggling with this. The people in the row with you, don't look at them now, but their chances are good that they're struggling with this. This is a pervasive thing. This is something that, that shows up. In fact, let me tell you something that I learned about 10 to 12 year olds this week. Their number one goal, their top desire in life, their hot pursuit is not financial security, it's not to be rich, it isn't success or achievement, it's not better relationships. No, the number one common goal for 10 to 12 year olds is to be famous. They want to be famous, to be broadly known, accepted, respected. Let me tell you something about you if you're in the 22 to 37-year-old category. <laughs> 50% of the people, 22 to 37, believe their life should be made into a movie. <laughs> you hear that? That's the other 50% of 22 to 37-year-olds laughing at you because you think your life should be made into a movie. We're not coming to your movie. 50% of 22 to 37-year-olds believe their life is so amazing that a movie should be made about it. What would people do to become a household name? They asked that question. One in 12 said that they would they would disown their family. One in 12 would disown their family to become wealthy. One in nine would give up the possibility of marriage. One in six would forego children if it meant that they could be, uh, not, I'm saying wealthy, I mean famous, if they could be famous. People would give up so much of what we consider to be important just to be recognized, just to be known, just to have fame. Now let me make this absolutely clear, there is nothing wrong with being famous. Um, there's nothing sinful about being famous. In fact, uh, there are places in Scripture um, where you, you kind of see famous people. If you excel in whatever you do, if you are the best of the best, if you're really bright, if you go to work and you apply yourself and you, you, know, you bring a lot to the situation and you're incredibly talented, it's, fame is almost inevitable if you are really, really good at something. It's almost, you almost can't help it. In fact, one could make the argument that God has in Scripture, has made certain people 
famous. David would be a great example of this. In 1 Chronicles chapter 14, we're told that, that David was made famous by God, that he was so obedient to God that God said, I'm going to make you famous. We read it here. So David did as God commanded him, and they, broke, they drove back the army of the Philistines from Gibeon as far as Gezer. Now, I don't know what you got going on in your world today, but at least you don't live in a town named Gezer. Right? So that's a good day. So what happened when David did what God commanded him to do? Scripture says in verse 17, Then the fame of David went out into all lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. God made David famous. God made Solomon famous. In fact, notoriously, he went to Solomon and he said, Solomon, you know, I'll give you whatever you want, almost like a genie with wishes, you know, like, hey, I'll give you, what do you want? What do you want? I'll give it to you. Solomon could have said fame, he could have said riches, that's not what he said, he said, I want wisdom. And God was so impressed with his choice, he said, Solomon, not only will I give you the wisdom that you seek, but I'm also going to make sure that you have fame and riches as well. There's nothing wrong with being famous. Jesus enjoyed a certain level of fame. There is nothing wrong with that. In fact, you may not realize this, but I'm kind of famous. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm a pastor. Uh, in fact, Dee Dee and I are famous. Um, our claim to fame is, oh yeah, they put us on the big board at the Indiana State men's basketball game to do one of those things, so I'm famous, which really sounds like a big deal until you realize that they practically beg people to do that at those ball games, right? Like, they, they're just, they can't get people to go on there. In fact, they asked us, and I, was, I told Dita, I was like, I don't want to do this. She said, oh, it'll be fun. It was not fun. So I'm joking with you. I mean, that does not make me famous. It's not wrong to be famous. But a pursuit of fame can be a very dangerous thing to your faith because the trajectory that fame puts you on puts you on a trajectory away from God and away from others and it, it kind of focuses you in on you. It makes you selfish. It makes you pay attention to you. It's very difficult to focus on others when you are so focused on yourself. And it moves the trajectory away from the heart of God and toward your own heart, toward yourself. If you think about this throughout history, the nature and accessibility of fame has changed over time. Certainly, you, the way you get famous today happens way differently than the way you got famous, say, 20, 30, 40 years ago, certainly centuries ago. You go back that far and you really had to do something significant to stand out. You had to do something significant to get people, word of mouth for the most part, to talk about you. It wasn't any of this texting and posting and internet. It wasn't any of that. Pictures everywhere. Everybody's got a phone. Everybody's got a camera. Everybody's capturing stuff. Didn't have any of that. You had to do something significant. You had to be a great athlete. You had to be a, a movie star politician you could you could set yourself apart as being a good politician or you could screw up really bad and be a you know get get yourself known and famous for that you could be an inventor you could walk on the moon something would make you famous you had to do something 
rather significant. People would take notice. Today, you can be famous just because of social media. Doesn't take much. You can be famous just because you created some interesting content that enough people thought, you know what, I resonate with that. You can become famous by being silly, stupid. You can be famous for playing your guitar and singing. You can, you know, you can be on your couch with your cat and, and have your phone out and your cat does something crazy that you've never seen before and post it to the web and everybody goes, that's awesome. And your video goes viral and you become famous. That can happen. You can be famous because you're a great singer or you can be famous because you're a horrible singer. It amazes me how many people show up to American Idol really thinking they can sing. And they can't. You remember this? Yeah, Simon's had enough. Dude, knock it off. Who was that? How many of you know who that was? You know his name? William Hung? Remember William Hung? That was William Hung. And he, he had a movie made about him because of that. I mean, it doesn't take much, really. You can be a cute kid who opens toys on Christmas morning, and if your parents have a camera out and you do something that's adorable, they can put it online, it goes viral, and the kid becomes famous. You can be the lady who mashes her face in bread. You think I'm kidding. There is a woman on the internet that she, she has become famous and has this following and all these hundreds of thousands of people follow her on, on wherever she is because she films herself mashing her face in bread. It's called, it's called bread facing. I brought a video. Try a different kind. Okay, I've had about all I can take. I mean, that makes my point, does it not? It does, you can do anything and get famous for it. She's massively famous. You can get famous by going to work. And if you, know, if you scan groceries, beep, beep, beep. You ever heard of Alex from Target? Show him Alex from Target. This young man is about 17 or 18 years old. He woke up one morning with 144 Twitter followers, lived his life in utter obscurity, and he went to work, and he's checking people out at Target, and this young uh, girl went through the line and thought he was cute, and so she took this picture of him as he was scanning things at Target. She went home and posted it online and talked about how cute he was, and all the other girls thought he was cute too, and by evening, he had gone from having 144 Twitter followers to 300,000 
Twitter followers. The next day, he was on CNN. Years ago, you had to do something significant. Years ago, you had to be a great athlete. You had to be a scientist. You had to walk on the moon. You had to do something. Now you can just be a cute kid scanning groceries at Target. And that's the reason why so many people, they hope and dream and they, they, they think to themselves, well, maybe this post will get hot. Maybe it'll go viral and I'll get all this attention and people will know my name and I'll become this household name and I could be famous. I, I'll get the blue check mark. I'll get verified. I'll get the notoriety I want. I have a following. I'll get paid. All these people will like me. I'll be known. That's what I need. Sometimes it's not that big. Sometimes it's a little micro-craving. If I just had a little bit more popularity. If I could just get 100 people to like this Facebook post. If they knew me for my sport. If they knew me because of some craft that I've done. Whatever it is, that's what I'm missing in my life. And that's what I need to be happy. That's, sometimes that's what the, the lie that gets whispered to us. You can leverage attention and you can build a credible, legitimate following and, and you can make a real living and you can even make a real difference. But be very careful because the pursuit of fame draws our hearts away from others. It draws our hearts away from God and it puts a laser focus all on us. Counselors will tell you that fame can actually be traumatic, especially for children. I brought a list here. I'm not going to go through the whole list, but I've got probably, I don't know, 12 names I'm looking at right now of famous children who got famous early and then ran into trouble later in life. I'll just, I'm not putting them down. It's really not even their fault. They, you know, their parents, hey, we've got a chance to make our kid famous. Let's put them out there. And it just seems like everyone you see, when I see little kids and they're blowing up, I just think to myself, that poor child. Their life is just going to be jacked up by the time they're 12. Lindsay Lohan, Macaulay Calkin, Amanda Bynes, Shia LaBeouf, Britney Spears. I could, we could, we get online and just put, type that in, you know. Famous youngsters who encountered trouble and the list is just endless. Alex from Target is no longer on social media. The fame crushed him. He couldn't take it. You may not believe me. You may not believe the Bible. Maybe you'll believe Jim Carrey. This is what Jim Carrey said. I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they dreamed of so that they can see that it is not the answer. What's the answer? Where is the answer? If you were going to look for somebody in Scripture that got fame and handled fame well, I would point you to John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Just a quick side joke for you. Do you, know the, do you know what John the Baptist and Winnie the Pooh share in common? Anybody know? They have the same middle name. <laughs> it takes a minute. You were quicker than the first service, believe me. I think it was the time change. They were like, what is he talking about? Or it could be that the joke is so horrible, they're like, no, no. John the Baptist was this kind of crazy prophet. He wore crazy clothes. You know, he's wearing animal skins and he's eating locusts and, 
and wild locusts and honey, and he's created this following, and he has this crowd that kind of shows up wherever he goes, and, and he's, he's constantly saying, I came to prepare the way. There's one that comes after me, and I've come to prepare the way for him. I am not the one. You have to repent of your sins for the one that's coming after me. And he was so charismatic, interesting. Crowds just kind of flocked to him wherever he went, and they started to follow him, and he grew and popularity, and, and he started to get fame. And, and you know people would ask him, are you the one? Because they were all looking for the Messiah. Are you the one? And he would say, no, I'm not the one. There's one that's coming after me. You need to be looking for him. Now here, here's a question. How would most people handle that kind of fame today? They would probably leverage that attention for themselves in some way. And they, they might say, you know, I'm going to get Jesus his attention. I'll get some attention for Jesus and point people. But while I'm at it, since I've got some of this attention, I'm going to leverage some of this for myself. And I'm going to build my own platform. I'm going to build my own brand. I'm going to build my own kingdom. I'm going to create something that I can stand on and leverage this attention. And, and, and I'll, maybe I'll get a stream of income. At the very least, I'll get some attention out of the whole thing. And I'll point him to Jesus, but I'll point him to me too. And sadly, I've known some preachers that would do that. John the Baptist said, no, 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 I'm, don't get it mixed up. I am unworthy to even untie the sandals on the one that comes after me. I can't even touch his feet. And he's so awesome. I'm, I'm nothing. Don't look at me. Look at him. In John chapter 3, verse 30, John the Baptist is, is quoted as saying, he must increase talking about Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. John the Baptist would say, I want you to see more of Jesus and less of me because it's never been about me. It's never been about me being known. It's never been about me being famous. I'm here to point to him. That's all I'm here to do. Don't, don't, don't give me attention. Don't, I mean, listen to me when I tell you he's coming. He said, I don't want to be like Lucifer. Lucifer in Isaiah is quoted in what is known as the five I will statements of Lucifer. I will be like God. I will ascend to the Most High. I want to be known. I will be famous. I will, I'll make it all about me. And John the Baptist says, no, no. My only mission in life is that you see less and less of me and more of the one who comes after me to save us all. So... How do we do it? How do we do it in a culture that glorifies fame? How do we function and represent Jesus in a way that would make him happy and proud? The whole thing really comes down to motive. No one can really know, other than you, how hard you struggle with this. Nobody can really know what your motivations are and what your desires are, but you know, if you've got some of this kind of churning underneath, like, I want to be, I want, you know, look at me. I want to ask you some pointed questions this morning. I need you to be honest with yourself. You don't have to say anything out loud. But I beg you, have the courage to answer these questions honestly for yourself. Apply them to yourself and, and, and give honest answers. Give a truthful answer. Question number one, I've got two this morning. The first one is, who are you representing when you show up? 
when you post, when you talk, when you, who are you representing? And please don't give the Sunday school answer, give the honest answer. You know what the Sunday school answer is. The Sunday school answer, I tell it in the form of a joke. There was a little six-year-old boy, and he was in Sunday school one morning, and the teacher said, okay, class, what, is, what has four legs, crawls on the ground, climbs trees, collects nuts, is brown and furry, has a big bushy tail, and lives in the trees? And the little boy sat there for a minute and started shaking his head, and he threw his hand up. He said, sounds like a squirrel, but I'll say Jesus. You know? Because, you know, you just think, well, we're in church, so every answer has to be Jesus. No, don't do that with this. Don't do that. Be honest with yourself. Be honest. We can say, well, you know, I really want to represent Jesus. Well, do we? Really? This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are as far as Paul is concerned, what he calls us is an ambassador for Christ. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is someone with a high-ranking position sent from one territory or country to another to represent the, the territory from which he came. As an ambassador for Christ, you are the highest-ranking diplomat sent from heaven to earth to represent Christ. You are an ambassador for Christ. Who are you representing? As an ambassador for Christ, when we walk in the room, we should bring light into the room. When we walk into the room, hope should walk into the room. Encouragement should walk into the room. Everything you associate with Jesus, that should walk into any room that we walk into because we're ambassadors. We are representing Christ by what we say, what we, how we act, what we post, how we show love, how we dress. Whatever you do should bring glory to God. Who are you representing and who are you, who are you really? You know, it's a question only you can answer. Be honest. So often, I am not representing me. Or I'm not representing Jesus, I'm representing me. And I'm going to tell you something that I, common sense probably tells me I shouldn't tell you this, right? But I want you to understand that I'm not any better than you. And when I preach to you, I'm preaching to me before I preach to you. And I struggle with the same kind of stuff you do. And I, I'm not proud of what I'm about to tell you, but I'm going to tell you because you know, if, you, if you know me, you would say, well, that's, I mean, yeah, Brett's not perfect. I mean, we know Brett's not perfect. If you just come once in a while and you, you've not really had a relationship with me, you just hear me speak, you're going to hear this and think, well, I don't know if I even trust that dude. But if you... If you know me, you're like, no, he's, I'm, he's telling the truth about that. Um, I recently had to take out, a, I have these little cards that have my name on it and cross lane logo and where I can write notes to people. And I recently had to take one of those out and write a handwritten note of apology to someone because in a conversation that I had had with them and their family, I had, in my effort to be funny and to ingratiate them to me and to get them to like me more, I had shared a joke with them. Now, you would have heard the joke and probably not even thought it was really all that bad. But I shouldn't have done it. And when I got alone with God for a little bit and we were going through, I, you know, I was 
was a week or two ago I was talking to you about inviting God to search you and know you, and I was kind of doing that with God, like, God, what do you need to say to me? And he's like, well, <laughs> let's talk about the joke you told. Let's start there. Brett, what are you thinking? What were you doing? Why did you do that? That didn't glorify me. That didn't honor me. It may have honored you. You got a chuckle. Everybody smiled. Are you happy? Uh, no. Well, Brett, what do you think you ought to do? Well, how about an apology if I wrote an apology? That'd be a great idea, Brett. Why don't you humble yourself enough to own it, send them a note, and tell them that they should expect better of you than that and apologize for what you did. And that's exactly what I did. Now, they, they may have gotten it and thought, it wasn't that bad. Who am I, who am I representing? Less of us more of him. Question number one, who are you representing? Deal with it. Be honest. Question number two, whose approval matters most to you? Again, it should be Jesus, but so often it's not. We're playing to a crowd. We're laughing at things we shouldn't be laughing at. We're saying things we probably shouldn't be saying. Are you shining a light on Jesus and instead of living from the approval of God, we often are found living for the approval of other people. Why do we do this? Why do so many people cr crave to be known and admired and looked up to and respected and to be popular? Psychologists tell us something interesting about fame. Specifically, they tell us something about um, the desire for fame being rooted in injury and neglect. In other words, if you find yourself with this craving to be known and admired and, and, and to be noticed, chances are good that at some point in your life you have met up with this feeling of insignificance. They, they, psychologists would say that as a youngster, if this is a struggle for you, it's highly possible that you had someone in your life that you couldn't please. A dad that was really hard to please. A mother that, you know, no matter what you did, you couldn't get her attention you know, that, that you just, it was a struggle for you. And so because you struggled with that so much, um, you felt overlooked. And now there's this kind of longing in your soul to be noticed. Do you accept me? Do you validate me? More micro cravings for fame. And sometimes they're not grand, grand and huge. Sometimes they're little teeny tiny things. But it, and only you know, okay? I'm talking about this, and as I am, only you can look into your soul and say, you know what, I'm, he's, he, this, he's talking to me right now. Paul said this to the Thessalonians, for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. What's the good news? It's the, it's the gospel that, that you're loved by God, that God wants to forgive you and God wants to be in relationship with you. He goes on, he says, our purpose is to please God, not people, he alone examines the motive of our hearts. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. Who are you representing? Whose approval matters most in your world? Less of me, more of him. Less of me, more of him. Less about my name, and let's make his name great. Let's make his name famous. Let's don't worry about me. Everything in our culture screams, 
Be known. Be famous. Get yours. That's a false promise, and it doesn't deliver. We are called to something higher. We're called to something better than that. We are not called to be famous. We're called to be faithful. Faithful to the one who has been faithful to us. See, when you live your life in pursuit of the one who gave it all for you, you are one day going to stand in front of him and you're not going to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful Instagrammer. Well done on Twitter. You rocked it. No. What we want to hear is well done, my good and faithful servant. There may not be very many people who know your name. There may be people that come to church here, and I know this for a fact. There are people that come to church here and you serve, and it's possible, we don't want this to happen, but it's possible that you could serve at Cross Lane and feel like nobody notices, nobody even notices that I'm doing this. Now, we try to thank you and send notes, and I try to verbally you know, affirm people, and, but church this size, you're not ever going to get everybody. So it would be possible that you serve and you do things, come to church, and you're like, man, nobody knows who I am. Listen to me, Jesus knows your name. He knows who you are. He honors your service to him. When you give and give and give and it feels like nobody recognizes and nobody knows, hear the voice of God this morning saying to you, I see you. I see you. His name above every name. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess the name of Jesus. And he sees you. What more do you need? What more than that do you need? We started by talking about David, how David was made famous by God. I, I love the fact that David was this imperfect man and yet was known in Scripture as a man after God's own heart, which gives me great hope. If it could be said of David, maybe one day that could be said of me, and I'm just as much a train wreck as David was. But David said in the Psalms, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name goes all the glory for your unfailing love and faithfulness. Not to us. Not to our glory, not to our fame, not to us, but to your name, God, be all glory and all praise, less of us, more of you. And that will make us happy. I want to invite you to stand and sing and honor the one who has earned our praise and our adoration this morning.